Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Somebody might try to smoke me. Don't matter, though. We all gotta go sometime, huh? Seem like they punched the wrong clock on Rick, though, man. We gotta go, cuz. Hey, dope. What's up? You still got one brother left, man. Thanks, man. Later, G. Later. Right there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Captain's Couch.
I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me back again, once again this week, guys. And we are on schedule this week, so episode is going to be dropping on a regular time. Um, thank you so much for your patience last week. Uh, I appreciate y'all still holding holding your boy down and, and being patient while the episode was delayed a couple of days because your boy needed to rest. Uh, but thank you so much, everybody, who... Uh, who has been checking out the podcast this week and understandable. So I appreciate it so much. So I'll delve into the clip that I put in the uh, beginning of the episode in a little bit. Uh, But first things first, um, you're again listening to the captain's couch. And so guys, Alexa, play Love Don't Live Here Anymore. Love Don't Live Here Anymore by Faith Evans from Tidal. All right, guys. So, it's been a few weeks. And I haven't had any new five-star reviews. So, you know, starting to feel a little sad here. Not going to lie, guys. Kind of feeling a little sad. You know what it feels like? That's what it's feeling like, guys. Yep. This is how I'm feeling right now, guys, because I haven't had any five-star reviews in the past few weeks, man. So please, if you'd be so kind, on the Apple, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes and I know a lot of you guys are go on the page for the the podcast and leave me a five star review rated five stars and write a short review um, help boost your boy up the ratings maybe I get a little little higher up in the search ratings or whatever for a mental health podcast I'd greatly appreciate it alright now with that out of the way we're going to pick back up today uh, as a follow-up episode on uh, depression, because I, I felt like I didn't get to cover everything I wanted to cover last week, and a lot of this because I was kind of scrambling to put together an episode, and I was also just kind of mentally just out of like energy, uh, mentally drained. So I wanted to do a follow-up episode today um, on depression. Um, so we'll go over risk factors and causes of depression. Um, We'll go over the clip that I put at the beginning of the episode, which is at the end of Boys in the Hood, and I'll explain why I wanted to put that clip in particular, and I and I and I'll link it to um, some of the things that we'll discuss here in the episode. Um, but first things first, because we're gonna be talking about depression again. I wanted to lighten the mood up a little bit, and. For some of y'all, some of my friends who will listen to this episode, and when you see the title of the episode, will think to yourself, what is he talking about? Um, that's, a, that's a Destiny Inside reference. Um, range Finder is a perk that um, gives extended range to weapons in the game. So, to start things off, I want to I read this article from um, Complex Magazine. It says, why didn't Ricky zigzag? It's been 25 years and many of us are still agonizing about that one scene in John Singleton's 
first and probably best film, Boys in the Hood. You know the one. It's at the end of the movie. Sun's going down. Ricky is walking down this alley. And Cuba Gooden Jr. is, you know, with him or whatever. And the uh, the Hyundai pulls up. And next thing you know, you see Cuba Gooden Jr. hit that So of course Ricky was a running was a running back high school running back that USA USC was looking at, and we know what's gonna happen. Um, now the reason why I gave this episode this title is because you know every time I've watched Boys in the Hood, I've seen that shot and I've seen the scene and I can just keep thinking to myself like, yo, he's shooting this man with a shotgun. He's like probably 40 yards like at least 30 yards away from him how did how is he hitting him with this shotgun i don't understand uh so clearly gangsters are equipped with shotguns that have range find them finder on them in uh south central la um and this this gentleman who took down poor ricky um clearly had a uh shotgun that had a range finder and a rifle barrel on it um and aggressive ballistics as well um so screaming at fictional characters the zigzag is an old-time tradition and indeed sometimes characters do seem to listen um now that may be true but for us game of thrones fans we're still yelling at Rickon Stark to at least zigzag at some point in his run before he dies, before Jon Snow can get to him. Um, spoiler warnings for somebody who may eventually listen to this, but may not get back to watching Game of Thrones because she found it a little bit boring. Um, but yeah, essentially that character was more was kind of more so a plot device than anything. But Ricky is different. Ricky was an important character. Obviously, he's Doughboy, played by Ice Cube, who looks like my cousin. Uh, is his uh, is Doughboy's brother? Uh, somebody actually asked Morris Chestnut, uh, "Why didn't Ricky zigzag?" And Morris Chestnut says, and I quote, "I think he did. I think he did it so we could have an interesting end to a movie." <laughs> uh, but I mean, clearly more chestnuts. Like, I mean, why are y'all really asking me this question? Um, so a few years ago, uh, the president of Active Response Training and also a guy who is holding a gun in his Twitter avatar conducted an experiment to test the validity of the zigzag theory. So three groups would flee from experienced shooters firing paintballs out of Glocks. One group would run in a straight line another in a crouched position, and another with zigzag. The results were not promising for zigzaggers, um, as 54% of the people who zigzag were still hit, compared to 52% of people who were hit in a straight line, and 55% who were hit by people who crouch. Uh, so, now, I mean, in, uh, this was done with uh, pistols, and Ricky was shot with a sawed-off shotgun. So, um, the guy who conducted the experiment, uh, the guy who wrote the article actually asked the guy who conducted the experiment, the experiment uh, 
Elifritz, Elifritz, uh, Greg Elifritz, um, how the experiment would differ using a shotgun, but he remained as confident, saying, quote, the widespread pattern of a shotgun would make zigzagging even less practical. Benefits of sudden changes reduced. Straight line movements to cover, straight line movement to cover is best strategy. Um, but yes, we are essentially talking about a fictional character and don't get me wrong. Um, I find this, this experiment hilarious to do in and of itself. This exercise to do hilarious in and of itself. Um, I am the guy who literally talked to his best friend, who is also a therapist about whether or not Sterling Archer, um, the main protagonist from the TV show Archer, um, dealt with, uh, autism, which I think we both kind of broke it down as like maybe pervasive development disorder and, um, definitely alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely a, a substance abuser of alcohol for certain. So in today's follow-up episode, we're going to talk more about depression and let's talk about some causes and risk factors for depression so in last week's episode we talked about um symptoms of depression um we also talked about you know uh a little bit of substance abuse and, and self-medication in you in depression um talking about uh big crit uh talking a bit more about mac miller also and his tragic passing um, last year, we also talked about, um, we also talked about the growing normalization of rappers discussing and, and talking about, um, their depression, whether that be, you know, Kid, Kid Cudi, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Big Crit, um, Mac Miller before his passing. So this week, let's talk about different types of causes for depression so depression can affect anyone at almost any age and the reasons why people grow to be depressed is relatively unknown researchers suspect that there are different causes for depression and some of those causes aren't always preventable so when we look at the causes of depression Believe it or not, which spoiler warning is pretty easy to believe, uh, depression is one of the most common mental health disorders diagnosed in the United States. It is estimated that 10 to 15 percent of the population will experience clinical depression in their lifetimes. Um, the World Health Organization estimates about 5 percent of men and 9 percent of women will experience depressive disorder in any given year. There is a different number that can cause depression to range from no different number of things that can cause depression to range from things that are either biological in nature or environmental in nature. So here are some things that can raise your risk for depression. Number one, and we look at the biological components, a family history of depression. And this is pretty, pretty prevalent with most mental illnesses that one of the factors we look at as far as mental illnesses and causes is family history. So um, you're more likely to experience symptoms of depression if 
someone else in your family has been diagnosed with depression or another type of mood disorder like uh, bipolar disorder um, or one of the other different types of depression that we discussed last week's episode, um, persistent um, depressive disorder, um, uh, bipolar depression, which is bipolar disorder, um, any of those, even anxiety. Because one of the things with anxiety is we often can see uh, bipolar symptoms, uh, not bipolar, sorry, uh, depression. People who are depressed can often experience anxiety as well. Um, and those are two di- uh, diagnoses that actually can kind of go intertwine together and, and show together um, in a lot of people. Um, for several of my kids um, in therapy, I tend to assess them for anxiety and depression. Um, on different rating scales or they have a diagnosis of depression and also exhibit uh anxiety uh symptoms so um next we look at uh certain medical conditions um you're more likely to experience depression if you have a chronic illness a sleep disorder or a thyroid condition um depression rates also tend to be higher among people who have chronic pain diabetes multiple sclerosis and cancer um a history of substance abuse also can increase your likelihood of depression especially in that case with a lot of substance abuse um one of the things chemically wise we look at with depression is dopamine and certain uh illicit drugs affect the way that dopamine is created and dispersed in in the brain which can cause depression symptoms. Um, so other factors call uh, also play a factor in uh, bipolar uh, depression, and we'll go over that in a second. So let's look at let's look more in depth into genetics and biology. So twins, adoption, and family studies have linked depression to genetics, which we've linked almost all types of uh, significant and especially common mental health issues uh diagnosis to genetics schizophrenia bipolar disorder depression anxiety um a lot we have linked a lot of those to um family history of mental illness um the study suggests that there is a strong genetic component and research researchers are yet, not yet certain about all the genetic genetic risk factors for depression uh, but most research suspects that uh, having a parent or sibling with depression may be a risk factor for your own diagnosis of depression. Um, It's unclear exactly which genes play a role in depression or other mood disorders, but researchers do know that there are many genes that can play a role. Um, Researchers have also found that having a parent or a grandparent with depression doubles your risk for having a diagnosis of depression. Um, Estimates suggest that depression is approximately 40% determined by genetics. Um, Another potential biological cause for depression is an imbalance in neurotransmitters, which are involved in mood regulation. So these will include, um, like I mentioned, dopamine, but also serotonin and uh, neuroepinephrine. Neuroepinephrine, that is a tongue twister. Uh, they play a role in moods. So uh, neurotransmitters are chemical substances and that help in the areas of the brain communicate with each other. So certain neurotransmitters are in short supply, 
and may lead to symptoms we recognize as clinical depression. Um, so the theory of depression suggests that having too much or too little of certain neurotransmitters can contribute to depression. Now, I tend to focus more on um, the genetic component and then the other risk factors for depression, largely because I kind of yada yada my way through uh, behavioral neuroscience because, yeah, senioritis was real, guys. Um, we'll get into the ways that we treat depression in a little bit, um, but let's also look at other risk factors. So some other risk factors that can also play a part. Um, lifestyle risk factors play a part in depression. Uh, some of these risk factors cannot be changed, such as your sex or your family history. Others, such as diet and stress level, are something that you have more control over. Um, some of these things do include female sex hormones. It has been widely documented that women suffer from major depression about twice as much as men. Uh, because of the incidence of depressive disorders peak during a woman's reproductive years. It is believed that hormonal risk may be to blame. Women are also prone to depression during those times when their hormones are in flux, such as times during their menstrual, menstrual period, which we talked about, um, childbirth and premenopause. Hormone fluctuations caused by childbirth and thyroid conditions can also contribute to depression. Postpartum depression may occur after the woman gives birth. We talked about postpartum yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, I'm sorry. Last week, we talked about postpartum um, where, of course, the woman's body changes um, after giving birth. Uh, let's see. We also can look at women's depression risk declines after a woman goes through menopause. Um, circadian rhythm disturbances is another um, risk factor, which we talked about last week in uh, seasonal affective disorder, which is a major depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern that is caused by a disturbance in the normal circadian rhythm of the body. Again, curse you daylight savings time and winter. Curse you both. So people who reside in colder climates where there are shorter there are short, dark days may have a higher risk for seasonal affective disorder. Um, in addition to disruptions in your circadian rhythm, reduced sunlight can also lead to a drop of serotonin levels in the brain, which also can affect your mood. Seasonal changes can alter, can alter melatonin levels in your body, which also can disrupt your sleep and also can contribute to mood changes. Um, I think if we go, well, I think I'll probably do an episode again where we talk about causes of bipolar disorder. And one of the things to pay attention to when it comes to managing bipolar is the amount of sleep that you're getting. Physical health. So the mind and body are clearly linked. And if you know me and you know my love of the Matrix, one of my favorite lines in the series of the Matrix when Neo asked that, if you kill, if you were killed in the Matrix, you die in the real world. And Morpheus looks at him and says, "The body cannot live without the mind," which is absolutely true. So the mind and the body are clearly linked. So if you're dealing with health issues, you may discover changes in your mental health as well. Um, 
I may, maybe one of my first guests, if I figure out how to do guests, I think I have a really good person who I want to talk to one day about how physical health has contributed to issues with mental health. Maybe I'll talk to this person about it one day. I'm not exactly sure how to do guests as far as recording goes yet, but I'll figure it out. Um, illness is related to depression in two ways. The stress of having a chronic illness may trigger an episode of major depression. In addition, certain illnesses such as thyroid disorders, Addison's disease, liver disease can cause depression symptoms. Uh, poor nutrition. A poor diet can, can uh, contribute to depression in several ways. A variety of vitamins, vitamins and mineral deficiencies are known to cause depression. Um, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of that. but um, In addition, diets and, and high, sugar, high in sugar are also associated with depression. Um, then we look at life stresses, uh, grief and loss, substance abuse are also the last things that we round out with when it comes to um, respect for depression. So stressful life events can overwhelm a person's ability to cope and cause the, and can also be a cause of depression. Researchers suspect a high levels of the hormone cortisol, which is secreted during periods of stress, may affect neurotransmitter serotonin and contribute to depression. Grief and loss, loss of a loved one, um, is also is of course obviously a very traumatic experience, but um, can cause symptoms of depression, trouble sleeping, poor appetite, loss of pleasure and interest, normal response to are uh, normal responses to loss and symptoms of grief do tend to subdue over time, but when those symptoms get worse, grief can turn into depression. Um, substance use. Drugs and alcohol can contribute to depressive disorders, and even prescription drugs can. Some drugs have been found to be associated with depression, like um, anticonvulsives, uh, stimulants, benzos, corticosteroids, and beta blockers. Um, it is important to review medications that you have been prescribed and speak with your physician, which we talked a little bit about last week. So those are some of your risk factors for depression. Um, let's look at something else that is very interesting when we look at risk factors, right? Depression in black boys begins earlier than you think. Um, this is an article from Psychology Benefits Society. Um, written by Aaron Hunt, MS. And... Uh, David Robles was a graduate intern. So, from 2001 to 2015, suicide risk of black boys ages 5 to 11 were two to three times higher than that of white boys, according to, new, according to research. The concerning trend continues going into adolescence. The rates of attempted suicide and attempts that resulted in injury, poison, and an overdose are one to two times higher among black males compared to white males. So the article also goes on to say that the persistent trends of higher suicide rates in black 
I mean, suicide attempt rates in black boys um, is enrooted in the life expectancy uh, disparities that black boys face. Um, it is important, absolutely important, that family members and friends um, of young black boys, young black kids in general, boys and girls, look at risk factors and look at how our boys or and our young girls are kind of managing their way through the world. Do they do you notice some of the symptoms that of depression that you need to look out for? Um the thing that becomes difficult is that we want family members to reach out and discuss, hey, you know, maybe we need to get you in therapy. Um maybe we need to talk about what's going on with you. Um the thing that is also that is also kind of troubling when we look at these trends is even mental health professionals uh, have trouble detecting depression among uh, racial and ethnic minority patients. Uh, men from these groups are diagnosed with depression less than non-Hispanic white males. Depression often looks different in males, and we talked about this a little bit last week, where irritability, anger, and discouragement are shown in their in the symptoms as symptoms of depression as opposed to hopelessness or helplessness. Uh, the unique way that depression presents itself in males combined with the underdiagnosis of men of color with depression may intersect to cause further disparities of black boys and black black girls also. Now I mean of course I, I'm also adding in black girls, but the article does specifically talk about black boys. Uh, the APA, the APA who did a uh, did research, um, the report was called "Health Disparities in Racial, Eth Racial, Ethnic, and Sexual Minorities, uh, men, Sexual Minority Men and Boys." Because I imagine that some of these issues are also the same in LGBTQ boys as well. Um, one of those things being discrimination against uh, the sexual identity may also be contributing to depression symptoms uh, or the development of depression where for black youth um, racial disparities and racial discrimination that we face um, as well as lesser opportunities poor health care poor educational systems can absolutely contribute to um, development of depression in young black youth, especially in black boys, where there is that sense of uh, discouragement because society sees you as volatile and violent and not near as worthy as your white male counterparts. And that is something that black boys learn at a fairly relatively young age, especially when we look at, you know, the deaths of. Tamir Rice, uh, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin at very young ages, where also another issue is that black boys are not allowed to be boys, where they are often treated as much older than they actually are, which, you know, you're not allowed to normally develop as a child can lead to feelings of discouragement and anger and resentment and irritability. So much to the point, uh, the APA report 
acknowledges that boys are black boys are seen as older, less innocent, more culpable. Um, bias beliefs that lead to harsher interventions um, starting as early as pre-K. Uh, black boys are three times more likely to be suspended from school than white students. Um, these disparities combined with a lack of awareness about what depression looks like in black boys and men of color lead to social reprimand, school suspensions, and expulsion, which eventually lead them down to the school-to-prison pipeline as a result. Uh, black male high school students are more likely to miss school due to feeling unsafe in their classroom environment or their community, get in a physical fight or in the outside setting, uh, be a victim of sexual violence, be a victim of physical dating violence. Uh, and these factors remove what might otherwise be protect protective factors found in school or in close social relationships. So there's clearly a need to continue to discuss um, suicide and understanding how masculinity, social norms, and beliefs about what toxic, well, toxic masculinity in a whole, and about what you know, limited the limiting box that manhood places on, especially black youth, black boys, um, leads to feelings of suicidality and and depression as well. Um, so. Now, this is speculation a lot. This is a bit of speculation on my part. But let's take a look at the character Doughboy in the movie Boys in the Hood. So, he actually shows a lot of risk factors for depression, believe it or not. So, we can look at his history of being a young kid and seeing a dead body at a very young age and knowing the type of violence that the neighborhood that he is in can produce you know learning and seeing the trauma of death at a very early age and of course that affected each one of the boys differently where with trey trey you know lived with his mom for a while but then he started to get out of control as he got older and went to go live with his dad and of course we know lawrence fishburne was you know a fairly fairly well put together well-to-do man even though he lived in that neighborhood in in, in south central but he he was he was a fairly respected man and he had his stuff kind of together. Um, and of course, with Ricky, Ricky's on his way to college to play football at USC. So Ricky's got an opportunity to get out. Trey has a path to get out as well of going to college because he's a smart young man. But with Doughboy, Doughboy has very limited options to get out of the neighborhood. And really and truthfully, he's not going anywhere. Um, He's already engaged in a life of crime with dope dealing, um, some gang activity. You know, um, I, I don't even remember if his character even finished high school or not. Um, so he, he absolutely looked like, you know, from the time we see him as a kid to when we see him later on in the movie that, you know, he was fighting and constantly kind of aggressive. And, you know, so we look at the end of the movie and we look at the clip at the beginning of the episode today um where ricky's gone and dead now so had doughboy has have dope has had doughboy survived and we know that he doesn't survive that in a couple weeks from this the end of the scene with him and trey that he gets gunned down as well i absolutely can see a scenario where doughboy ends up in a situation where he's depressed now 
does he get diagnosed for depression? Probably not. It's the early 90s in South Central. And the, the stigma of depression and mental, mental health is so high at this point, especially in the black community, that it is doubtful that Doughboy gets the help that he needs. But let's look at the risk factors that he has based upon what we know about the character. So he's experienced trauma, um, knowing about seeing death, you know, um, in his neighborhood, substance use and abuse were alcohol and some, well, mainly alcohol, because um, he's constantly drinking in the, in, in, the, in, in the movie. And of course, as he's having the scene with Trey, he got a 40 ounce and it's early in the morning. Because he even says this, I ain't been this early, I ain't been up this early in a long time, and he's already down in a 40 ounce. Now, mind you, yes, his brother did just die, but give it a couple of weeks, couple of months time down the road, you absolutely can see Doughboy in a situation where he's in the throes of possible depression because he's still dealing with the grief. And we'll add another factor to this, the grief and possible guilt of Ricky's death on him. Because another risk factor we have um, with grief and loss is also, and it didn't list it here, it's also um, relationship, interpersonal relationship issues. So when Ricky dies in the movie, their mom immediately blames Doughboy. I mean immediately. When they bring Ricky's body home, when Trey and Doughboy bring Ricky's body home, his mama immediately blames Doughboy. And Doughboy's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Which, I mean, in, in all honesty, despite, you know, the type of person that Doughboy was, the type of character that he was, he's not directly at fault for Ricky's death. But his mom, because of all the trouble that he's gotten into, immediately lays the blame at his feet. Which he mentions where he's talking to Trey. He's like, I ain't got no brother. I ain't got no mama no more either. Basically, his mom completely wrote him off. That also can add to symptoms of depression where you know, he's essentially now having to grieve the loss of not one, but two family members because the relationship with him and his mom is completely in tatters now with Ricky gone and his mom blaming him for blaming Doughboy for Ricky's death. Um, so we look at grief. We look at substance use. We look at stress, um, the stress of the environment that they're living in constantly. Um, the threat of constant death, the threat of going to jail. Um, all these factors can lead to disengagement and discouragement. You know, so it's an interest. I, I know it's an, it's an odd take or interesting take on a character that we know eventually dies, but I absolutely can see a scenario where, you know, if we look at it from the lens or if the character is written in this way that, he kind of walks through life with this just lack of just care, lack of care for what happens to him. And he kind of even says it a bit. He's just like, you know, you know, you know, maybe I get smoked, too. You know, I mean, he epic foreshadowed his own death, which happens just a couple of weeks later. Um, but the, the crazy thing about this movie is, you know, it's it's such a beautiful look and you know, the life and the struggle and sometimes the the hopelessness that 
you see for some people, you know, that the hood is all that they know and that there's no possible idea that they could get out of it, you know, which in and of itself can lead to depression of this is as good as it will get for me and there's no way I can break free from this. So that's my take on Doughboy and you know, I didn't want to necessarily go down the well of using um, Kendrick Lamar as you because I talked about it in last week's episode, but I wanted, I did want to kind of look at a character that's so well known and maybe look at it from a different angle with the character of that. Maybe just maybe he is a character who's kind of, you know, acted that's constantly aggressive. You know, yes, part of that is because of the neighborhood and the environment that he's in, but maybe part of it is because that, you know, since a young age, He's just kind of been battling all these forces um, that really is just depression that has never been looked at and diagnosed. Because clearly he was a troublemaker from the time we're introduced to the character to the end of the movie with uh, with Doughboy. But I just wanted to give it a kind of a different, interesting take on it. Um, and it's something I'll probably do more and more um, with some of these uh, references to things that I'll, I'll that I bring up in the show um, that I use as kind of linking points and talking points. Um, but yeah, I, I did want to kind of discuss that today just and give a kind of different perspective on that character. So let's wrap up with treatment type of treatments for depression. So of course, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, behavioral therapy, um, Psychotherapy, which traditionally is Sigmund Freud's psychoanalysis um, or, you know, Carl Rogers, which is, uh, you know, client centered therapy. But typically we are we're looking at cognitive behavioral therapy. The way that you think affects the way that you feel, affects the way that you behave. And, you know, we want to look at changing your thought processes, maybe your negative self-talk maybe going through some of your negative trauma or experiences that are leading to your leading to depression that we kind of want to look at and discuss and change the way that we're thinking because the way that you perceive the world if we're perceiving the world in a more negative light we are more likely to tend to be depressed because we see the world in such negative ways that contributes to our psyche and you know, how we behave and how we think in negative ways. So if you see the world in a negative, in a very negative light, you're more likely to think continuously about the world in a negative light. And that thought process plays out of your behavior. Um, medications. So I accidentally said it wrong last week. It's SSRIs are the most common type of uh antidepressants um and these ssris are typically things like zoloft prozac uh lexapro paxil selexa um is also one of the major common types of antidepressants so ssris are the most commonly used um then we have SSNIs, which are the kind of old school antidepressants that aren't used as often. 
Um, albeit though, Webutrin is one that we do still use fairly often. Um, I think Sabalta is also um, in this category as well. Uh, Trazodone is in this category as well. However, with Trazodone, we don't really use it anymore for um, treatment of depression. It's more prescribed for sleep, which I've tried Trazodone before, and my goodness gracious, I was so groggy in the mornings um, once I uh, woke up from that. Uh, it was, yeah, I don't take it anymore. Um, uh, Buspirin, uh, uh, which is a uh, Buspar, which I've seen used before, um, is a pretty good um, antidepressant for major depression, I believe. Um, also to treat anxiety. Um, and then for cases of like severe major depression, um, Cymbalta is really good to be used for major depression. Also, uh, Abilify, which is an antipsychotic, also is a very good medication for the treatment of major depression. Um, other options are things like electroshock therapy, which for major, like very rare cases where, you know, other options are not working that we would go the route of doing um, uh, electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, but the main options when it comes to therapy is a combination of an uh, antidepressant um, and typically cognitive behavioral therapy um, where your depression will help deal with the chemical you know, imbalances or the depressive the depressive symptoms and then you can actually work through um the other factors that you have experienced that contribute or make your feelings of depression worse so uh there's your main treatment options for depression um antidepressants mainly are more likely an ssri or for more severe depression we're looking at abilify or maybe Cymbalta or Wellbutrin. And uh, as far as the far as therapy goes, we're looking at more likely cognitive behavioral therapy um, as your treatment options. So today we discussed a few different things when we in in the course of continuing our discussion on depression. And we may have some another follow-up episode somewhere down the line where we may talk about uh you know, maybe depression factors that contribute for uh, LGBTQ black people or LGBTQ people in general. Um, we may pick back up on how depression may affect you in the workplace or in your role as a parent or even in school. So there's definitely plenty of avenues and uh facets of life that we can discuss about how depression can have an impact on 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 each on us as individuals but today i wanted to follow up on last week's episode and give you some more you know treatment options and you know causes and risk factors for depression so with that being said thank you so much guys again for listening to the captain's couch um almost breaking another milestone to hit 15 episodes so this is session number 13 that'll go up um we'll hit 15 in a couple weeks I i'm just 
blessed and and so thankful to be doing this, guys. And I appreciate all of you guys who have encouraged me to continue to do this. So thank you so much for listening to the Captain's Couch. Um, again, guys, please don't make me uh, play sad songs again. Uh, matter of fact, Alexa, play another sad love song by Tony Braxton. Please don't, please don't make me play another last so- sad love song, guys. Leave me five star reviews, rate review the podcast, please. Send me feedback on social media, please, Lord. I don't want to have to sing another sad love song, guys. And it's all because of you. If you don't give me feedback or reviews that I have to play another sad love song, please don't do this to me. Please don't. So, guys, with that being said, this is the captain, Byron Taylor, soon to be fully certified Mississippi Department of Mental Health certified therapist, certified mental health therapist. So very soon, you'll see another update on your feed for the Captain's Couch, where the title, where my title will be Byron Taylor, MS. CMHT, no P at all. Because I'll be fully certified. That's right. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1. The first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise. You thought cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. You'll be ready.